Hello and welcome to Ask Dev About Business. I'm Rom Gaioso, co-host. We are broadcasting via Futures Television, the home of the future on television. If you're watching the show on Futures Television, listen to it on Radio Futures or listen to it as a podcast or as a recorded event on one of the social media platforms, you too can be part of the conversation. Just visit our YouTube channel, and that is IMCI Magazine, where we continue to chat about the topic of the day. You can also access this information on our website, and that is www.futuretelevision.com. So don't be shy. Today, our topic is cybersecurity best practices for small and medium businesses. Cybersecurity is a growing issue for businesses globally, as more and more attacks are being carried out by criminals who are targeting businesses for their valuable information, which can then be sold on the black market. Large organizations, as well as smaller businesses, are all walking on a very tight rope. There are no exceptions to those attackers. The menace of cyber attacks on businesses has taken another turn since the pandemic, as more businesses become susceptible to attacks owing to a surge in online transactions because of the lockdown. Small businesses aren't in the clear as they are more vulnerable to attacks. These businesses often don't boast technological defenses needed to ward off attacks or have the resources to invest heavily in cybersecurity. What is small doesn't equate to little financial or resource processes in businesses. The chances are high that some small businesses could be dealing with large sums of money or have large amount of customer data at their disposal. With 43% of small businesses lacking any type of cybersecurity defense plan, according to a recent Forbes magazine report, it's not a surprise that they are a lucrative target for hackers. So there's a lot to talk about on this topic, but worry no more. Now you have someone to talk to. But first, let me say a few words about the show. Broadcasting live from Butterfield Studio at Chicagoland to the world, I'd like to welcome you to Ask Dev About Business. The talk show is broadcast every other Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time, where I join Deb Deeds to discuss a variety of business topics. No matter what your venture is, you will certainly have questions. So let me say a few words about our show host, Deb Deeds. Deb has a long and distinguished career as a coach, mentor, and through her awesome training programs at SMB Digital Education, she has enabled many entrepreneurs to follow their dreams. And that's exactly what I like about her, her ability to deliver practical advice to help you solve real problems. Well, have a business question? Let's ask Deb. Without further ado, let's welcome Deb Dietz to the show. How are you doing today, Deb? Hey, Rob, great to see you. How are you? Wonderful. So great to see you. So uh, let's hear you say a few words about the topic of today. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I'm delighted to welcome everybody to the show. Our show focuses on emerging trends, challenges, and opportunities that face small to mid-sized businesses, business owners, business professionals, business leadership. And we invite subject matter experts on our show, experts on those topics. And my promise to you is that by the end of our time together today, you'll have at least one key takeaway that then you can make actionable and implement within your own business. And today our special guest is Laura Barker. Laura is joining us. She is a business owner. She is an expert in cybersecurity and we're delighted to have her with us. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Delighted to have you. I'm so I'm so happy. Um, this is such a big topic. We you know we talked about uh, when we were preparing for the show, and you know the, the topic is very broad and very deep. And so, but there's so much to learn about it, and that's what I, I love about you being here. You've been in business for a long time, uh, and before we actually dive into the topic itself, I, I love to start the conversation with the origin story. Your your origin story of starting your business and now 18 years later, very successful business owner. And our audience is, you know, really loves to hear the stories of our guests and how they got here and how they became successful. So take us back to oh the beginning and <laughs> tell us a little bit about you, you know, your your you know your vision for your company and what got you here today. Sure. 
So uh, going in the Wayback Machine, so I've been in IT for over 30 years. I have a degree in computer science. I started off as a, as a developer, and I started at a time when um, the internet was not what we know it today. There was no such thing as mobility or mobile solutions. And um, I started in corporate America and learned, um, you know, kind of cut my teeth on what it takes to deliver and implement very sophisticated solutions for large enterprises. Um, my passion, though, I love helping people succeed and um, kind of left corporate America, got into consulting. It uh, broadened my horizons in different verticals, so I got exposure to different companies, their needs, what they're trying to achieve. And uh, through my experiences in consulting, I met my current partners. We each had a passion for technology and we each had a passion for delivering quality solutions. And so 18 years ago, we decided uh, that we would each take our unique strengths. Uh, mine is in overseeing and looking at quality, implementation, the architecture, the design, and the management of okay. solutions from start to finish. And then my partners, they're also in uh, technology. So I have my CTO, John Gavlin. He is a dynamic whiz when it comes to technology. And then my other partner, Mike Milhouse, um, just he, he's all about business development and finding the right solutions for our clients. And the three of us working together, we just have such a great synergy. So 18 years ago, we decided that we wanted to build a consulting company that would just set a high bar for solutions and make sure that people understood that IT consulting could be a great partnership. We've, I think, seen and heard uh, some stories about IT consulting that you know aren't always the prettiest. And um, coming into it, we wanted to make sure that we steered clear of those, those types of things. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for that. Again, we always love to hear you know, how you got here and sure. and uh, and obviously been very successful over the last 18 years. And so uh, congratulations on the success. I, I, I love that. Um, the topic of cybersecurity, it's, you know, we, we were preparing for today's show. You know, we we're talking about just the, the, the breadth and depth of, of this topic. And it's not really well understood by many people. People have a different understanding of what cybersecurity is. Yeah. And so I think that's a great place to start our conversation is define for us, from your point of view, what is cybersecurity? Excellent. So uh, first off, our, my company, I did want to say our company is in IT managed services and cybersecurity okay. solutions. It's, it's important to note that we have um, a unique focus in that. So when we talk about cybersecurity, I hear people, you know, in their mindset, they're saying to themselves, it's tools. It's, that's it. That's what cybersecurity is. Okay. And I want folks to take away and think about cybersecurity as much more than that. It's actually methods, processes, tools combined together to provide a cybersecurity model that helps protect your data, your networks, your systems, your IP, and even your people. So cybersecurity is much more than that. Think about it as how do you minimize risk, right? Mm -hmm. Cybersecurity is the actual fancy term for it, but you're minimizing risk to your business. And so when you think about it, you're gonna take a more proactive approach to cybersecurity as opposed to oh, somebody told me I have to implement cybersecurity. No, you, you want to make sure that you're protected. Your IP, your private data, and your company are protected. So minimize the risk there. So this really, this becomes an overarching business strategy for your company. So when I, when I want to hear you define it, um, from your perspective, you know, I think in terms of organizations, their, you know, their business strategy, their operational strategy, and in the work that I do with helping craft business strategy, strategic planning as an example, you know, one of the, I think, the weaknesses that I find is organizations who may not have a robust business continuity plan. You know, mm -hmm. so, you know, and, and, I, and I would think that 
having a, uh, an actual strategy about protecting your data, your, your organizational assets, is part of an overarching business continuity strategy. And th I think that you know there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot to learn about how to do that effectively because there needs to be you know key strategies to do it. You know accountability process. Uh, training, education, because this is something that is that affects the entire organization. You're hitting on all the key points. Ah, okay. Absolutely. So what um, what I've I've seen and come across is that businesses tend to want an easy button, and there's no easy button here. Or if they find an easy button, they want to press it once. Right. We we live in an era right now where it's almost instant gratification on on everything when it comes to tech. But when we're looking at cybersecurity, you have to kind of step back and say, how do I build this holistic plan? Right. And you talk about business continuity, it's one aspect of your entire cybersecurity model that you're going to be implementing. It's just one piece of it. It's a very important piece because you want to make sure that if a cybersecurity attack or an event happens, how do you get back up? How do you recover from it? And there's, there's many aspects just to that one section of the entire cybersecurity model that needs to be reviewed and implemented. So it has to be there is there has to there's work to be done in making sure that those processes are put in place so that you are prepared. Yes. And I think a lot, you know, and we you can't really turn on the TV or listen to any podcast out there without hearing some story. You know, there are always stories in the news about breaches, you know, data breaches. You know, I, I had a recent experience, my business partner and I working with an organization that, you know, they, they were hacked. Mm -hmm. Their website is, after many weeks, is still offline. You know, emails were compromised, you know, and it's, you know, it's big and it's ugly, you know, and it, and it, and it can be, you know, very damaging. So, yes. you know, and, so, and that's in, this is a large organization who may have access to, you know, resources. They have more resources available to them. Um, but for the small and mid-sized business, business owner, you know, the, the, the focus needs to be there, um, but they're, they necessarily don't have, you know, robust budgets in order to go, you know, have a staff or a team of people that can manage this. They have to really pay attention to this themselves. And so I also like the fact about your managed services capability. So, you know, your, your organization is providing, it's not just a software package that you implement. No. Right? No. And I think to you know, the point you made <laughs> earlier, a lot of people think, oh, I'll put in security software and I'm I'm all good, no. you know, until something bad happens, right? right? And then you're scrambling trying to rectify that. So you're really providing kind of this oversight, these services, um, and putting all the, 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 the mechanisms in place to be able to watch over. Uh, and then do you, do you also do training of their employees and, and so yeah. that the user, so that there's a user awareness about you know, protection of data. We talked earlier, getting ready for the show, about, you know, passwords, you know, password management. Tell us a little bit about that, about password management and the importance of that. So passwords um, and password management, it's one of the first things that anybody who is starting a business or in business right now needs to take a better focus on. Make sure, and I'm just gonna give a few different uh, tips here. Okay. So. Every single application that you go into needs to have a different password. Do not have the same password. It's very easy, right? We have all these different systems that we have to access to say, oh, I'm just so tired of making passwords, right? Well, you wanna have different ones, and why? If there's a hacker that gets into one of your systems and you have used the same login and password combination on multiple applications or websites, now they can take that, run it in a script, and they're going to they're going to hit all of these websites because you gave them one access point, right? So again, you have to make sure they're different ones. You need to make sure that they're complex. Don't make them easy. More and more systems today are putting in mechanisms. So when you change a password, it's saying you got to have you know eight to twelve characters. You got to have special characters, uppercase, lowercase. Well, after a while, it becomes very hard to start remembering all of these companies, right? I mean, come on, it's, it, it's crazy. It is. Well, they have password managers. A password manager is a place that you can actually store all of your login IDs and passwords. It's highly encrypted. Um, it enables you, the way that it works, to have 
24, you could have very long passwords now, making it even harder. Um, I don't think people understand that a hacker can run a script if they know your login ID. So in most cases, your email address is your login ID, right? So right mm -hmm. there, they already have the login ID. All they need is the password now, right? Because your login ID is not some unique number or name or combination. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a publicly available login ID. So um, being able to have your password manager be able to control that for you, it's going to help protect uh, what you're doing. So this is one of the best takeaways, I think, for our audience. You know, we're a show that, you know, practical guidance and, and, and things that you can make actionable immediately. This is a good strategy, is to put together your password manager. Um, I think that's a good first step, don't you? It's absolutely the first step. One thing that I will tell everybody out there, on your web browsers, there's the ability to save your password. So have you ever been prompted when you're visiting a website mm -hmm. and you get prompted by the browser to say, would you like us to store oh, yes. your password? Absolutely. Absolutely not. Do not do it. Okay, don't do it. Don't do <laughs> Another it. Another good tip. And ten. here's why. If your laptop is open and you happen to be somewhere, and by whatever means, you could be at your home, right? We have this high, hybrid workplace now. Your laptop's open. And maybe you have children in the home and they have friends over and somebody comes over and sits down at your desk. Now, we don't want this in business, right? You right. should have a dedicated space if you're going to be working at home. But if somebody accesses your laptop, gets on there, and the browser's open, and they go to the site, and now your password combination is stored, all they have to do is click log in. They're in. You've just given them access to it. So I never recommend to anybody using those. I know that in the beginning, before password managers became kind of came more mainstream. Mm -hmm. That was a way to help you remember them, but I don't recommend it. We have some comments and questions from the audience, and I think you mentioned uh, a couple of things, but uh, I think what people are really curious, you know, what are the most common cyber attacks and uh, what should we be looking for? Common cyber attacks and what should we be looking for? So uh, cyber attacks come in multiple various formats. I, I really feel like we should back up the conversation because we, we're kind of skipping over how a cyber attack happens and what, what an attacker is looking for. So um, kind of backing up, back up to cybersecurity and the definition of what it is and what we do from an organization to help protect other businesses is we look at layers. So um, when you're talking about cybersecurity, um, think about this. Everybody's seen Jurassic Park, right? And there's the scene where the velociraptor is going against the fence, right? So he, this velociraptor is trying to find a hole. That's a hacker. They're trying to find a hole. There are statistics out there that a cyber attack happens about every 39 seconds. So while we're sitting here, the course of an hour, there'll be over 100 attacks like that, right? So this velociraptor is trying to go against this fence. So when we think about cybersecurity, we want to make sure that we're putting layers in place in our business to help protect us. Now that velociraptor, when he finds the hole in the fence, he gets through, he's in the park, right? And he's going to search you out and you become lunch, right? When we think about it, we say, okay, there's the first layer and the velociraptor's at the door or your cyber attacker, right? If they get through the first door, if you have another layer behind it, now they got to hit the next layer, right? And if there's a layer behind that, there's another layer. So when we talk about common attacks, a lot of them, 95% of attacks happen because of human error. So phishing is a large one, right? Mm -hmm. for, for folks who are not familiar with phishing, I'm, you may have seen it, but maybe not realize that it was phishing. Phishing can happen in email, it can happen in text, it can happen in mail snail mail, it can happen via the telephone. So phishing, the broad term of it, is somebody is trying to entice you to do something. They're trying to get you to take an action. So in the case of email, they may send you an email that looks familiar or looks like it's coming from somebody you know or um, is 
urgent in nature, right? So maybe you see an e email that comes in and says, Deb, I need your help. You have to, you know, click here, you know, follow these three steps so we can go do this. Well, that's a hacker and that's phishing. And so once you click on that, what happens is they're gaining entry into your network and into your email. And so once they gain entry in there, they're going to start filtrating through as much as they can. Now, when I go back to the layers, right, so the layers are very, very important. We want to make sure that we've put things in place to help protect against that. So if you get fished, right, you're, you're on an email, you click. And, I, and I'm just going to tell everyone, it's happened to me, right? I'm busy. I, I Absolutely. get hundreds of emails, right? And even my, my team behind me will say, why did you click on that, you know? Right. It happens, right? If it does, though, I know that I've got processes and procedures in place to help quarantine that, remove it from the environment, mitigate it, and then make sure that my email has not been impacted, right? So that's a layer. Okay. That's one layer and that's just for your email. So when we talk about environments, email is just one aspect. Right. Think about, think about let's, let's kind of think about what an environment is. Before COVID, everybody was in a physical environment, or for the most part. Mm -hmm. Working remote uh, happened, but it was in very, very strict confines. If you were gonna be working remote, I can assure you that to be able to work remote, somebody had done a lot of work up front to make sure that things were locked down, protected. You've got your firewalls, you've got your networks, you've got your IPs, you've got your laptops. Now COVID hits, everyone comes out of the fixed office and now they're going home. Right. Okay, so now you're in your home environment. Has your home environment been set up to help protect you as a business owner while you're in that environment? So think about it. You may say I'm a business owner and yeah, I feel very confident that I've got things under control. Well, what about all your employees? Have you been in their homes? You know, you bring up a really good point, and, and I'll tell you, at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things that, that I noticed was, at, at the time I was sourcing uh, products, and one of the, my company did that as a service, and there was this increased demand from many, many businesses looking for external hard drives, as an example. Yeah. Why? Because all of a sudden their people, to your point, yeah. were no longer in the, the environment of, you know, the at-work environment on premises. They were working remotely. And it was, you know, it created a great opportunity for me and my business because that's what we were charged with is sourcing these external hard drives. And they were not easy to find because every business was Everybody doing the wanted. same thing because yep. people were working remotely. <laughs> but yet those employees had to have access to company information, financial information, customer information, employee information, you know, intellectual property, whatever to do their jobs and right. to make sure that they were they could be productive working from home. And so it pre it, pre it presented this really great opportunity for someone like myself. But then as I was doing this, it was so interesting, I'm thinking to myself, well, that's interesting. These external hard drives are being shipped to the, the, the my business client. They're loading these the external hard drive with all the all this data and then sending it to the employee's home. But once it gets to the employee's <laughs> home, and it's really interesting because yeah. at some point in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm doing I'm providing a good service because I'm getting them the equipment that they need. But then all of a sudden it started occurring to me about, oh, well, what happens to the protocols, the safety protocols when you're on site, maybe you've got your IT team, people are watching and managing and looking for potential breaches. Um, but when you're, you know, but your people are, are not there. They're at home and they're working with the sensitive information. What is the, what's the, what's, what are they going through to safeguard that company information? So some you know good opportunity here presented another challenge over here and that happened a lot during the last two years right absolutely so we do when have you a follow-up question on that one yeah. too please yeah 
Uh, so uh, on your example, and we had several uh, similar questions here, but on your example of the fence, right? So, and you mentioned about the layers and the velociraptors going through the, the fence. <laughs> so, uh, how do you figure out the weak points in the fence so that no one can get through? Or, or how can you, mini I guess other questions is, how can you minimize uh, all this leakage or the velociraptors getting through the fence? Is there like a way, uh, an approach? Do you recommend something specific? So there is an approach. It's something that we do systematic in our company as we take on clients. So let's start with the layers. Think of a dartboard. So you got the bullseye in the middle, and then you've got rings that go around it. Think of your bullseye as your data. What is your intellectual property? What's the most core piece of information? The next layer beyond that is what needs to access it. So you have your applications that go around it. Now, the next layer, your host. Who's hosting that data? Where is it? Is it, you know, is it on an external hard drive? Yikes. Right. Or is it in a secure data center? Is it in a physical server in your office? Where does that data, where? Is it in the cloud? Yeah, <laughs> who's hosting right. it, right? What are your peripherals around that? What is the internal network look like? Okay, so. Uh, when we talk about these layers, you can see how multifaceted cybersecurity is. Wow. There's not just one thing. And then we're going to keep going. So there's the physical aspect, right? So are you in a physical office? Are you, you know, riding as a passenger in a car and you're, you know, working side by side as you're driving down the highway and getting to your next location? And then last, your people. So to kind of answer the question, each business is unique, but when we approach all of these layers, there are a, a series of steps we take to, to define those layers and then build a plan around it. So we identify, we protect, we uh, recover, we respond, and we train. So at the first layer, data, we're looking at who needs access and what access. You'd be surprised that everybody thinks of cybersecurity as external, but you could have internal attacks as well. If you get a disgruntled employee and they have access to certain things in your business that you may not be aware of, who knows what they could go in? So when you're looking at your network and how you're setting up where people can go, so here's a simple one. In a business, you have accounting and HR. Those are highly you know, sensitive mm -hmm. information. You've got all your employee data in there and then you have your financials in there. Is that on a network where the entire staff can see that HR and financials are located there? So can your employees see that? Or have you put that off on its own network and only the people who have the rights to be in there can see that? So now if I'm an employee, I don't even know that that network exists. So again, we're looking at things incrementally and by layers. So using the Velociraptor, right? Let's say a Velociraptor gets the login ID and password of one of your employees, right? Mm -hmm. Now if I had everything on the same network and my employees could see HR and finance not actually get into it, but actually see that it's there, and I get a hacker come in via that password, now they can see the world. Now in that same scenario, if I have things segmented off and they get in via the employee's password, they're only limited by what that employee can see. So now the hacker may say, well, okay, you know, I'm in here, but this is an employee, they're, you know, they're an entry-level person, they really don't have a whole lot, there's nothing for me to really, I can't really get too much here. So, so that's a way to protect, to right, protect yourself. Right, and, and again, so the question is, the topic is very large, right? And when you think about this, you're saying, well, how do I, as a small person, how do I even get started in this, right? right? Uh, you have to start one step at a time and know that this is an evolving process. I talked about everybody wants that big easy button it's, there is no big easy button. Right. Uh, if you think about... There's no one piece of software that's going to do Right, this. so step back and think about everything that you use just to even work, right? You have a laptop, 
you have an operating system on it, you have software on it, you're connected to an internet, Wi-Fi, there's firewalls. All of these have to play together and work together, right? So another layer in our, our dartboard is what is going on with the software and the hardware that you're using? So in cybersecurity, one of the simple things and one of, another takeaway for folks is make sure that you're doing updates regularly. Uh, you'd be surprised at the number of uh, clients that we take on that are running outdated hardware, outdated systems, have not done patches or updates in any kind of routine and timely time frame. And what does that mean? So everybody has a phone. And you know on your phone, you constantly get this, there's a new update coming. And you just look at it and you say to yourself, oh gosh, another update. Well, that is the operating system provider saying, I'm making changes. Mm -hmm. Now they could be adding new features in that update, but they could also be deprecating features. They could also be fixing open doors. So hackers out there, they're evolving every single day. Every single day they're coming up with new ways. They're smarter and smarter. Smarter and mm -hmm. smarter, they're trying new things, they're coming up with new things. So what does that mean? Everything that's in technology has to kind of come up and go along with it. It's, folks go out there, they'll put in software and they'll be like, it's in, great, and then they don't want to touch it. Wrong. I'm covered. Wrong. <laughs> you need to make sure that it's current, that it's staying in line with what's going on in the marketplace. So when you hear that an operating system is no longer going to be supported by the provider, that should be a warning bell to you to say, oh, I really need to upgrade, right? A lot of folks think, but well, it's so expensive. It's not really expensive when you consider what would happen. The risk if, of, the, of the breach. If you yeah. don't do it, right? So let's talk a little bit about breaches themselves okay. and, and what it means to a company, right? Most people think ransomware. Oh, you're gonna have to pay the ransom and then you get your data back and life goes on. Okay, well, that's the uh, best case scenario. What about if they actually take down your systems? Now, if you've got a staff of, and I'll just use a small staff, what if you have 10 people, right? Doesn't seem overly large, but you have 10 people sitting around doing nothing and being able to access. And you, as the business owner, are on the hook for payroll. Right? but you have no system. Secondly, what about your clients? How are you able to service them if you don't have access to your systems? What, what happens there? Then there's legal, right? So have you breached any legal contract obligations based on whatever your vertical is? A lot of businesses also don't know that there are state regulations on breaches. So if you have a breach and that breach, the attacker is able to get information on personal data and they take that data, you are obligated as the business owner to report that that has happened. So how many people in the news have seen, you know, oh, there's been a breach, there's mm -hmm. been a breach. And we as consumers, we see it and we're like, oh, great, another breach, right? We've we've kind of become immune to it. Because it's so frequent. It's, it is so frequent, right? In the state of Illinois, you have to report the breach. If there's more than 500 individual inf uh, individuals' information exposed, you have to also report it to the Attorney General. Then there could be fines on top of it. So now, the next level is this breach has occurred. Now it's your reputation's on the line. Yes. Right, so I'm a consumer and I'm like, well, what were you doing? That's my data, that's my, my personal information. Right, depending on what the service is right. or, or how I've contracted right. with you. So the cost of cybersecurity to a business is enormous, right? It's not just, oh, I have to pay a fine, which is bad enough as it is, right. it's way beyond that. So you talked about- a follow-up question on that. Uh, sure. So, um, uh, to pay or not to pay, that is the question. And so if you pay the hacker, won't you create an incentive for the hacker to return? So should we pay, should we not pay? Do you have a position? <laughs> so that answer is kind of twofold, right? 
uh, should you pay or should you not pay? It really depends on what you've done to protect yourself in the background. So we talked about those layers. We've talked about business continuity. Are you able to get around the fact that they've stolen this data? Right? It's out there. They're, you know, they're threatening to do who knows with it. And what kind of data is being, what kind of data was taken? So there's a lot of factors that go into whether or not you pay or don't pay. So it's not an easy, it's not a yes or no okay. type answer. And if you end up paying, no, not necessarily, because hopefully if you end up having to pay, you're going to put things in place to make sure that you have covered yourself so you're not going to have this happen again. Again, it's those layers. They're so key. When we talk business continuity, one, of, one aspect of business continuity is backups. Right? Um, it, we have a great story back in the day, and, and again, this is years ago, where uh, unfortunately somebody had their facility burned down and had not done backups off-site and actually brought in, in a box, in a cardboard box, one of their machines. It, it basically, their, it was their business. And, you know, they're carrying this box, and, and if anybody's ever experienced a fire, you know the, the, the smell and everything. Mm -hmm. And they're like, can you help me? You know, and we're looking at this going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, can we pull the hard drive? Are we able to, to do something with it? So business continuity talks about backups. That's one, of the, one, one aspect of it and how those backups are. When we talk about backups, you also need to think about the type of backups that you're doing, right? So how often are you taking backups? Is it once a day? Is it every hour? So if you had an event happen and your backup was only 24 hours and the event occurred at, let's say, hour 12, so 4 o'clock, let's say your backup is at midnight every night. So now you've lost the whole morning. Could you survive by losing all of that data? because you're gonna roll back right. to okay. the last backup. Right. So that's one aspect of it. The second is, how long does it take you to get your backup back, back up? up? Back up, right? right? It's not only that you have the backup, but what are the steps and processes in place that you can quickly go back online should something happen, right? So if you have backups every hour, let's just say, something happens, your systems go down. And you know, we're talking about cyber attacks it could just be a complete hardware failure, right? We're, we haven't even talked about the fact that it's right. hardware, it is fallible. It, it doesn't last forever, things you know, burn out over time. Okay, so the server goes down, you get hacked. How do you, how do you get back up and how fast can you recover? So there are different modalities of bringing your systems back online. And what does that mean to you as a business owner? Can you survive? Right? Remember, you got 10 employees sitting around waiting, going, okay, what are we doing? Orders to place, you got products your clients, to ship, yeah. you got things coming in, mm -hmm. you've got payments to make. I mean, there's, right. there's so many pieces of that. And so business continuity and data backups, that's just one part of it. The second part of that is what are your policies and your processes in place? Now, your systems go down. Do you know what steps you need to take? What's, who's your first call? Do you, do you have that? Up questions on that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so in the event of a loss, and so the question becomes, so uh, who pays for that? So if you have a loss and it, it, it costs you, I don't know how much, or God forbid you actually had to pay ransom yes. and you have to, I don't know, sometimes I hear that and some people made comments to the fact that, oh, now you have to give people, you know, uh, some credit protection for 90 days, whatever. So that is, there's a cost for the business. So several questions came around so so who pays for the loss or so the business take, takes the loss uh, or do we use insurance for that or is that even available do you have a position on, on insurance yes about insurance As, yeah. excellent question yes so cyber liability insurance and um, huge proponent of it uh, it's becoming more mainstream more and more folks are out there cyber liability insurance is there in the case of a cyber attack your general business liability insurance will not cover you in the event of a cyber attack. Now, cyber liability insurance, when you go for insurance, they're gonna have, they have 
very long questionnaires. And as a managed service provider and somebody in that, we help our clients fill out these questionnaires. Now, when you're going through these questionnaires, they're asking questions about your environment. They're asking about your layers, right? Okay. So if you're answering, well, I don't have this, I don't have you're that. You're not checking the box I, there. I'm not that doing this. You're not going to get the insurance. They're not going to even consider you providing you insurance. Okay. You have to be able to check all of these boxes, yeah. right? So right there, there's a tentative footprint for what you need to have in place for cyber liability insurance. Now, let me say this too. If you go through and you say, oh, I got all this, right? You check in all these boxes, you turn it over, mm -hmm. you pay your insurance, and an event occurs, the insurance company is not just gonna hand you a check. They're gonna wanna make sure you actually were doing everything that you said you were doing. You have to prove that you were doing it. And in some of these insurances, they are going to do IT audits of you. You have to show it. Because if you're not walking the walk and doing the talk, they're, again, they're gonna say, no, you're, you're a risk to the, to the insurance company. So again, it comes back to how much risk, how much exposure. Now, if you're putting all of these things in place and you have an event, right? So again, I mentioned a statistic, 95% of attacks happen via human error. But if you have all these things in place, something happens, somebody clicks on something, it accidentally installs something or they get to something, you have a much better chance of getting the funds that you will need. And those funds are there to help you with, if you have to pay a ransom, if you have to go through business continuity, if you have to you know, go back and save face because you know, you're, you're taking a credibility hit. There's right. things that you're gonna have to do to make sure that you get back online. So great question on cyber liability insurance, but make sure that you're filling out that application truthfully and that you can actually say, yes, with confidence, I am doing that. You know, one of the first questions on, on any cyber liability is, are you using multi-factor authentication, right? Um, some folks know it as MFA or 2FA, which is two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. And essentially that's um, a way that after you enter your login ID and password, you're gonna get a secondary code. And that secondary code is sent to a personal device where you are saying, I'm physically in control of that device so I can get that number. Right. That's what that is for. It's kind of like a second thing. Now, it's not 100%, right? Don't think it's 100%, but it is a way to, again, ensure so that if somebody gets your login ID and password and they're trying to enter it in, the system's gonna prompt for that code mm -hmm. and the hacker doesn't have your mobile phone right. sitting in front of them, right? So that, that's one of the first questions on any cyber liability. So anywhere you have the opportunity to turn on multi-factor authentication, do, do it. it. Yes, you know, I've heard people say, oh gosh, you know, I have to do this everywhere. It's two seconds. It is. It's two seconds versus the risk and the exposure because you don't want to take the two seconds to enter in the code. To me, that's silly. That's another great key takeaway for people: is say yes, you yes, know, and uh, check yes, that box. Just, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and I've, I've actually even in our own business, I've called businesses with software that we we're using and said, "Where's your MFA?" Okay. If you can't get me MFA, I'm going to have to go find a new provider, right? I'm an MSP. My standards are are even higher. Yes. Because I'm looked at even more stringent. Exactly. You're providing that service. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, so there are follow-up questions from uh, from Facebook on on that topic. So, uh, and I know it's kind of a hard question, uh, but uh, the people are commenting. So, do you see this? So, the cyber security is an extra cost to businesses. Do you see that more as like life insurance? It's nice to have, or is it, is it more like car insurance? You you really have to have this, or else. Oh. I you know, I feel like it's a little bit of life insurance, the cyber liability. It's, it's a way as a business owner, you have a little bit of extra comfort 
right? We already have so many things on our shoulders as business owners, right? We're just talking about tech. We're not even talking about you selling your product, right. marketing, right. finding consumers, all, all that. We're talking about just operating your business. And so it is an additional cost, but it's one that's going to make you feel comfortable. I have started to see businesses ask if you have cyber liability insurance before they will even do business with you. So we are seeing a, a change in how people are wanting to work with other businesses due to the level of cyber events occurring and saying, you know, I really want to do business with you, but you know, do you have cyber liability insurance? They're asking. So just as we do other insurance and they right. ask us to have certain limits, right. we're starting to see that on the cyber liability side. Why? Because remember, go back to the application. The application is saying, what do you have in place in your environment? Right. It's a nice way to do almost kind of vendor review because it's one item to say, well, I can, they have cyber liability insurance. That tells me that they've done certain things in their business to help protect my data as a consumer or a partner. Uh, when working with them. Wow. So we're our show is produced by Futures Television for Radio Futures, and so we you know give a lot of thought to what's coming, mm -hmm. you know, down the road. So as it relates to cybersecurity, you know, what do you see is in front of us when it comes to this topic, and is it, you know, it's we seem it seems to be more prevalent now than ever before, and this you know, like I said earlier, you can't you know, watch TV or, you know, open up your computer without hearing about some, you know, some breach somewhere. Um, what does the future look like for The future for is going to get more stringent. Okay. So in Europe, they have GDPR, and mm -hmm. that's the General Data Protection Regulation. Mm -hmm. I, I might have that wrong, but the GDPR is a set of rules and classifications for doing business. It's an operating model. And it's saying you need to have these certain things in place, and if you don't and something happens, you're going to get fined. Right? So I mentioned each state has a breach policy. So, so these are the regulations then? These are the okay. regulations. Right. And here in the United States, uh, if you go out to California, California is a great example. California has already started to put in more stringent business operating rules and saying you need to have these things in place. So as a small and medium-sized business owner, you're, you're thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to meet these standards? The standards start with everything that we're talking here today, right? right. right? And they extend to policies and procedures. So we talked a little bit about hybrid environments and people working from home. Right. A simple policy and procedure is what, what is your work from home policy? Have you articulated that to your employees? Have you made them read it and sign it so that they're operating in a mode that you know is in alignment with your cybersecurity plan, okay. right? That's just one simple, but you can fully expect that it's gonna to continue to grow with cyber liability insurance. We talked about auditing. Mm -hmm. IT auditing is going to become more prevalent. And this is where an outside third party comes in and actually uh, does penetration testing on your network to see if you have vulnerabilities. Insurance companies may order them as well. Okay. That may become more mainstream. And again, that's, that's helping all of us. Right? So they're coming in and assessing your risk of penetration and then providing yes. guidance. Yes as to how to mitigate that. Sure, insurance okay. companies now will even come back, you know, the larger companies will come back and say, we, we ran a test. Here's the 10 things that you need to do before we'll even consider quoting you on a policy. Wow. That's gonna become more mainstream. Compliance is another. Um, you're gonna see compliance wrapped into cybersecurity, how you're complying with the objectives and the line items as it relates to cybersecurity. So it all goes back to those layers. So if you think about the layers, you're gonna start with the data layer. There's going to be items that you need to do for your data layer. Then when you go to the next layer, you have your applications. 
So an example is, are you doing patching? Are you doing updates? Are they being done regular? You're not running software that has been decommissioned, right? It's going to keep going. <laughs> it's going to keep going. You know, and one thing that I think would, would be really helpful to people would have be, be some sort of a checklist that looks at all those layers and says, you know, yeah. are you, you know, th these, this is a standard or you should be, you should have processes in place or policies in place um, to be in compliance. Do you provide that, that, that type of instruction or checklist to your clients? We do have a checklist. Okay. Anybody can go get the checklist. It's a high level. Remember, this is a very, the, the depth of this topic is very. But it's a starting point for is. a small to mid-sized business owner yes. to say, how big is this? And yes. if nothing else, what should I, what should I be aware of so that I can start to implement some, some initiatives or strategies to get underneath each one of those layers so that I am better protected you know, today yes. than I was yesterday? We do have one that okay. you can download. It's very easy to read. It's in very simple terms. Makes it so that you can go through and start your process of being protected. I mean, that's, that's the end game. You want to be protected not only for yourself but for your clients. I want to make sure that when I'm working with you, you feel confident and you can trust what I'm providing you. Absolutely, absolutely. Laura, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, like you said, very broad and very deep topic, but um, if you could kind of wrap up, you know, what would be you know, maybe the top two or three takeaways that you would like our audience to, to leave with today, things that they could make actionable this afternoon, okay. um, you know, what would be the top two or three things on your list? Okay, so starting simply, MFA, passwords, okay. password management. Those are the simple ones, right? Everybody should be doing that and you should, you know, practice that. Understanding and learning about phishing. Okay, okay so we didn't go into the, the depth of phishing and what to look for, but definitely do that. Training. Implement training not only for yourself, but your employees. So every year, you know, every day something's happening in tech. Right. right, and what you learn today and what you do today is going to change tomorrow. So you need to have regular training. So in your HR plan for your employees and for yourself, add training for cybersecurity. Make sure that you have work from home policies, make sure that you have written information security policies, and make sure you have a business continuity plan. At the end of the day, we're business owners, we need to make sure that we can stay afloat, we can continue to move forward. If something happens, you want to be able to handle it expediently, quickly, and come out of it as best as you can after that event happens. So have those. If you look at yeah, the, the potential, uh, the, the risk is, is there, right? So you need to be proactive in the way that you're planning for this. And like I said at the beginning, it's a strategy for your organization. You need to have um, initiatives in place in order to mitigate the risk. Um, and that's the responsibility of any business owner. So yes. thank you so much for that. Ram, I'm going to ask you if there are any other questions coming from social media. I wanted to just uh, touch base with you real quick here. Yes, so no questions and no additional questions. Okay, just one thing too that I just wanted to, to mention, you talked a little bit about penetration testing. Mm -hmm. So people, you could literally, could we come to your organization and say, can you, can you just take an assessment of kind of our current state? Let us know where we might have exposure and then help us put plans together to curb that exposure. It's actually one of the first steps we take okay. when we talk to you about managed services and cybersecurity. We need to kind of know where you're at so that we can put a plan with you. And, and just know, just like you start with the passwords and the MFAs, right. it's not everything all at once. We're trying to work a plan because your business is going to be evolving and growing and we want to make sure that that plan works with you grows with you and that okay. you know you're comfortable with the evolution of the plan wonderful
Well, thank you so much for, for being with us today. Again, this is a topic that's so broad and so deep. And, you know, we, we'll hear from our audience as to what, you know, if they have additional questions or they want us to have a, a more in-depth conversation on a specific a topic from today's discussion. So we'd love to have you come back and maybe explore this further. As we said, there's a lot here to unpack. Yeah. And uh, we can only, we only have so much time, you know, allotted yeah, to can, us. Each of these areas, I mean, we can have a session on each of the areas as it pertains to business. It's each one is so fundamental to the overall cybersecurity um, policy and, and model that you put in place. So, yeah, we, we just touched upon it, and um, you know, I just hope everyone kind of take some action and take some action and and get started and get started that's it wonderful well thank you so much for, for being with us and uh, thank you for Rob, having me I'm gonna me. turn it back to you and how wonderful well thank you so very much for uh, the program today and thank you folks for joining us you know we hope you learned something new about cybersecurity and best practices you can implement within your business today please share your comments with us and let us know what is your key takeaway from today's show and please let us know where you're watching the show from. And folks, uh, just say a few words about the upcoming shows. All righty, so we have a good lineup. We're gonna have the entrepreneurial operating system coming up. Then we're gonna follow up with Generation Z entering the workforce. We're gonna cover employee happiness, very important topic, and the importance of user and customer reviews. In addition to that, I will be covering the BC Latinx conference. Actually, Laura Barker is a presenter at the conference. And folks, uh, BC Latinx is a four-day online conference that will take place this coming May 23rd through the 26th in Portuguese, Spanish, and in English. You'll find the most amazing speakers covering a variety of business topics with entrepreneurs in mind. There will be presentations from subject matter experts, a job fair, a virtual exhibit hall, networking roundtables, and online training courses that will prepare you for success in growing your business. you find the link to the free registration page in the comment section of this video. So we hope uh, to see you there. And folks, a step about business is recorded at the Butterfield Studio in Vernon Hills, Illinois. And I'd like to share a quick video about the studio with you. Welcome to Butterfield Studio the highest quality virtual event production and live streaming broadcast platform in the industry. Owned and operated by an award-winning team of producers, programmers, and designers. Butterfield Studio is pioneering a highly secure, state-of-the-art virtual live platform that promotes and fosters the human connection, keeping the live in virtual events. Why choose Butterfield Studio? Butterfield Studio has the technology and the team. Everything needed to deliver A-class virtual events, all from one location. 7,500 square feet, multi-camera turnkey facility, in-house production team, brandable custom set, state-of-the-art lighting, simulcast live broadcasting and streaming, secure virtual platform, fast and interactive, best-in-class audience engagement features with real-time analytics. And most importantly, Butterfield Studio has a roster of loyal customers who rely on us to produce professional virtual programming of all formats and sizes. At Butterfield Studio, we create, we deliver, we engage. Contact Butterfield Studio for your next production. And together, let's keep the live in virtual events.
So that there is actually an open house. People are curious about the studio. Can you say a few words about that? Absolutely. Um, for those of you that are in the general Chicagoland area, we'd love to have you come to the Butterfield Studio Open House. It will be on Thursday, March 2nd from 4 to 6 p.m. You get to have a tour of the facility, see the capabilities, meet Jeff Horvath and the Butterfield Studio team. We'd love to have you join us. Please go to the Butterfield Studio website, which is butterfield.studio and and fill out the RSVP form. We'd love to have you join us and we hope to see you there. Wonderful. And folks, again, it's time for us to say our goodbyes and thank you so very much for joining us. We hope to see you again soon in another edition of SDEP of Business. See you next time.